Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is so worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. 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 Our precious Father, we are so thankful for this day. For this is the day that you have made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercies. What an awesome God we serve. We love you so much because you've done so much for us. You're just a good God. You're a magnificent God. You are an incredible God. And we love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind and strength. Thank you, God, for this present moment. We thank you because we feel your presence in this place on today. Continue to bless us and strengthen us. Hide me behind the cross and give me words of clarity that those people, that your people will be blessed and strengthened. I thank you for our great bishop. I thank you for this West Angeles congregation. Bless us now and strengthen us and keep us and help us to stay focused on you because it's all about you, God. It's not about us, but it's all about you and we'll give you glory. We'll give you the honor. And then God would ask that you would touch hearts and minds today, that you will save the lost, that you would heal those who are hurting and broken. We'll give you the glory, the honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I just kind of feel a little song ringing down on the inside. I feel like giving God the glory. Oh, the glory. Oh, the glory. Well, well, I feel like giving God glory. He has done so much. Wow. to be in West Angeles on this morning. So thankful for our great bishop, Bishop Charles E. Blake. Love him so much. What a great man. What a great man. What a godly man. That's what I love about him. He's a godly man. Such character. I love him so very much. My husband thought the world of him. He was always, has always admired Bishop Blake and was allowed to speak here some years ago and so he went on to glory, but I thank God for Bishop Blake. And what can I say about the elegant, godly, beautiful, exquisite, lovely, class act, Lady May Blake. Isn't she gorgeous? Come on, women. It's all right to praise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You certainly have leaders who are truly a class act. And I'm so glad that I know them. I'm so glad that I have them in my life as leaders who exemplify such great character. 
and integrity to the body of Christ. You are truly blessed. It's an honor to be here in this most wonderful edifice. I've been here before, but every time I come, I just admire what God has done for his people. It's wonderful. You've done a wonderful job. I'm so thankful for the hospitality that's been shown to me since being here. Everybody's just been so wonderful. And the weather's just cooperating. My voice is just acting up a little bit, but it's going to be all right. I just know it is going to be all right. What a wonderful women's day. When I looked at this choir marching in, I didn't know if Joshua and all his troops. No, I'm seasoned. I mean, what a lovely choir. Not only do you look gorgeous, you sing anointed and beautiful. So the Lord bless you. I trust that the Lord has given me something to speak to you today and that you will be blessed and strengthened. I love women. I love to speak on Women Day because I believe, now me and you just listen in, all right? But this is Women Day. This is our day. Women are really special. We're really unique. God has endowed us with wonderful qualities and character, and he just made us beautiful. So what can we say? <laughs> he is so good to us. I want to begin, before I announce my theme today, I, I, I want to read some scripture that will be the background for the thought that the Lord has given me today. In Psalms 139, a very familiar passage of scripture 139 and 14, verse 14, it says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Verse 17 says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Now that's powerful word there. That's good word. That is good word. And then in Ephesians, the second chapter, it reads, for we are his workmanship. Ephesians 2 and 10. We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I trust God has given me something that will inspire you and encourage you on today because we are living in crucial times. And uh, I certainly hope that the saints, the people of God, will not lose their focus. Now is not the time for us to become distracted and forget about the purpose that God has ordained and called us to. Today, uh, I was reminiscing just last week about the love my husband and I had for traveling. When our children were very young, we had great vacations. We loved to travel. While riding along, the children would play games. You know how little children are. They get bored real easily, and so they would read a while and play games, and then they'd eat, and then they'd sleep, and then they'd say, are we there? <laughs> and uh, so we'd say, oh, almost, and then they'd go back to playing or reading or doing something to kind of keep themselves occupied, but that was only two minutes after we said almost. So they'd say again, are we there yet? And we'd say, hold on. Or we would stop and get, give them a little break to try to relax them a little bit. But they wanted more excitement. They needed more than the riding. It was so long and they thought so tedious. So they wanted more. So they developed what they called themselves some excitement. They would get in the back window or on the side. And, and, and uh, you know how it is when you pass the big 18-wheeler trucks. They thought that it was exciting to get the truck driver to blow his horn. So they do. They would do that. And so the big truck driver would blow his foghorn and they would just fall out in the back seat. You thought someone had given them a million dollars. They would just, you try that with these 21st century children nowadays. See if that would excite them. I don't think that would be enough to excite them, but they loved it. And so I remember once pulling into a truck stop and admiring those big trucks because they are very impressive. 
And uh, one truck in particular looked brand new to me. I mean, it was clean, it was colorful, and just shining. I mean, the chrome on it was just glistening and just sparkling. And so after a few minutes, I noticed that a driver came out, and he noticed that I was so impressed with his truck. And he came over to me and began a conversation. Boy, was he proud of that truck. You could see how he had his chest all stuck out. He was excited about his truck. And he told me, he said, Madam, I want you to know you're looking at a Peterbilt truck. This is a Peterbilt truck. And he said, Ma'am, this truck has global reputation for industry design. He said it has innovative engineering and it's good on gas and it's built with superior qualities. Oh, he just went on and on about his truck. And he went on to explain all the unique features. And of course, me being, you know, my wonderful height and size, I, uh, he opened up the truck and climbed up in it. You know how they can hop up in the truck? And he opened the door and he's pointing out all the features, telling me all. I wasn't interested in all that. I just was looking at the outside. But he wanted to tell me about all the inside of the truck. And I mean, he was convincing me because he really believed that that truck was a great truck. And so after so long, he said, ma'am, you know what? He said, these trucks have a slogan. I said, oh, really? He said, yes. He said that the slogan for this truck is that they are built to last. I was convinced that Peterbilt's were really built to last after all of his explanation. That's my thought for today. I want to encourage some women in here today that you have been built to last. I want you to know that the enemy does not want you in this day and this hour to believe that there's nothing to you, but he's a lying wonder. Because God, in St. John 3 and 16, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He did it for us because he loves us and because we are special to him. We are built to last and we're going to finish strong. We really are. We're gonna win this thing because we are built to last. The times in which we live are very challenging. I must admit, there's so much uncertainty in every arena of life. The home, the school, the church, our community, and our cities, and our entire world is experiencing all kinds of trouble. The atmosphere is filled with the spirit of fear and chaos. But I want to encourage you to stay the course, people of God, especially women, stay the course because we have been built to last. If we stay focused, if we stay focused, not looking to the left nor to the right, not allowing society to dictate to us. But if we stay focused, we will win this thing and we're going to finish strong. Of course, one of the most alarming thoughts to me is that Satan is doing all he can to cause believers to doubt our relationship with our God. He wants us to doubt that we, are, that we have any significance to God. He's trying to convince us that because we are created and made from the dust of the earth that we have little value or no value at all. He says we're just dirt. That's all there is to us. We're just dirt. And he wants us to accept the victim rather than the victor mentality. He's playing games with our minds because the cares of this life are so overwhelming. He knows that if he can get us to lose confidence in who we are, we will self-destruct. We must remember that Romans 12 and 2 says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we need to have a renewed mind, not the old mind, but a new mind if we're going to serve Christ. Colossians tell us that let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. I just want to remind the devil that in Genesis 1 and 26 that we were created in the image of God. We were created in his likeness. And so after that, even though we were, we, we were made of dirt, we were created from the dust of the earth, God didn't stop there. He breathed into us the breath of life. Now that's the most powerful part about it. He breathed his breath into us and then he gave us dominion 
and power so that we could rule, so we would have authority. He gave it to us and what God creates, he owns. And what he creates, he validates. I love the song that Donna Lawrence wrote that it really blesses me a lot. It's entitled, The King in You. Listen at these words. It says, you come from royalty, an aristocratic dynasty. The goal of the enemy is that you don't know who you are. There's power when you speak, so be mindful of the words you release. I know that life has challenged you, but the king in me speaks to the king in you. You were born to rule. There is a king in you. I, re I, 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 I often repeat that song because it blesses me. It reminds me that I am to have a kingdom mentality. It reminds me that I'm more than a conqueror, that I'm going to win this thing, that I'm going to finish strong because I have been built to glass. God in his infinite wisdom knew that believers would experience storms in their lives. So in the scheme of time and creation, he crafted, he used special skills, which gives us the ability to stand in the midst of adversity. Paul even admonishes us in Ephesians 6 and 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You don't have to do it alone. God will be there to help you if you will allow him. And then he says in Ephesians 6, now you are not fighting against flesh and blood, but the devil and his angels. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, we have to remind ourselves that it is not our co-worker, it is not our neighbor, but it is a spirit that we are warring against, that we're fighting. The devil is a cause of high stress and anxiety. He causes all the pain and the sorrow and he has intensified it to another level. And with all of this turmoil, he's putting fear in the hearts of many people. In Isaiah 41 and 10, it states that for, he said, fear thou not. That's what he says. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Psalms 27 and 14 says, be strong and let your heart take courage. Listen, women of God, you and I are not an afterthought. We're not a fly by night. We were thought out in the council chambers of heaven. Now, I know some people think that God went to Lowe's or Home Depot, got a bag of dirt, and decided to form and create us, but the devil is a lie. The Bible says that we were thought out in the council chambers of heaven. Hallelujah. That makes me know that anything God values, I'm really somebody and you are too because he values us. In Jeremiah 1 and 5, it states, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. Before you even arrived on the scene, I knew what I wanted you to do. Things of value are made to last. Think about that. You can get something real cheap and it won't last long. But things of value will last a good while. Our assignments, ladies, our challenges may be different. But God has a purpose for each of us. A life that's built to last is a life that makes a mark. That's why the devil hates us. In Genesis 3 and 15, he said to the serpent, I'm going to put enmity, which is ill will, between you and the woman. That's why the devil hates us, ladies. He's not in love with you. Don't fool yourself. The devil doesn't like you. Uh, he, he doesn't care anything about you. The Bible says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's very cunning. He infiltrates. He knows how to get in there sneaky and cunning and sly and throw you off your purpose. But you must stay focused. You must remain focused. God crafted us. He made us. And so we're born to make impact. That's why we're generational women. 
Uh huh. We're generational women. We don't just live for the here and now. We know that God has given us something that we can birth breakthroughs to generations to come. So we don't just live for now. We know that we're living for the future. We are examples. We've been created by God for that. That's why Ephesians 2 and 10 says we're his workmanship. We're his masterpiece. He's crafted us. When someone crafts you, it takes a person who is skilled to do that. Not just any old Joe on the street, but somebody who has qualities that they know how to really craft you. I mean, just look at us. God knew what he was doing. He, 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 he took his time and laid us out. I mean, he did. And, and, and then we must confess uh, often. He's, uh, Psalms 139 and 14 says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We've been constructed by God. We've got superior attributes. We are uniquely made, creatively designed, a divine model. Women, we are a great marvel. We were built to last. Now, when I speak of being built to last, I must remind some of us, I must remind some of us that God was not just talking about our body, our form, our makeup, our natural physique. That's wonderful. That's really wonderful. But there's more to me than what you see. There's really more to me than what you see. So now housed within this body is the human brain. And we have volition. We, we, we have volition so that we can think, we can reason. That's what makes us so unique. We're different from animals. God took his time and he's given us something so that we can reason, we make rational decisions. I mean, we don't make irrational decisions. We think things, we analyze, we study things, we have intuition. We know how to handle things. When things come our way, I mean, we just don't grab our hair and try to pull it out. But because we're women of God, because we've been created by our God, because the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of us, hallelujah, we're not just body, we're not just body, we're not just body, but we've got rational minds, we think, we think we make wise decisions, oh, there's more to me than what you see, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're more than nails. We're more than hair. We're more than dress. Hallelujah. There's a God living on the inside of me. You know why? Because I've been built to last. God knew it was going to take more than fine clothes and dresses in this life. He knew that. He's not against us having that. But he knew it was going to take more he knew it was going to take more. And so he allows his spirit to be in us. And when our spirit is connected to God, we make good decisions. We do the right thing. We walk upright. We're an example to those today and future generations. That's what God has given us. He's put fortitude in us. Resilience. Uh, you know, women can handle a whole lot of things. We go through a lot, but we can handle it. Sometimes we're stressed, sometimes we're poor, sometimes we're bent, but one thing about a good woman, if you've got some resiliency, you just fall over, but you bounce back up. Hallelujah. We're committed. These women had to be committed today to come to choir rehearsal and sing the way they did. I'm sure they didn't just walk in this morning and started singing. Honey, they had to go to a rehearsal. They had to put some time in. They spent some time in prayer. They've been reading his word because the anointing was all over them this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I tell people I have a little Kunta Kente in me. 
And so I just, you know, I get excited. I was so excited this morning when that choir came in and I saw those beautiful women walking down there. I said, look at your creation, God. Hallelujah. Look what you did. You did it. You did it. You did it. Hallelujah. Beautiful. God is just good and he's good all the time. Now, ladies, just because we're wonderful, we're beautiful, it does not mean that we're not going to experience some things. All of us will go through some things in our lives from the greatest to the least. All of us will experience trials and tests. That's why I want to remind you today that you've been built to last. Just because you experience adversity in your life, it does not mean that it's all over. God has a plan for us. And you know what? He develops our character when we go through trials and tests. No one really wants to go through trials and tests. Not really. Now, no one in their right mind doesn't want to suffer and go through. But we're going to have to go through Jesus suffered, left glory and came down here and suffered for you and I. So what makes us think that we're not going to suffer? What is important for us to know is that because of the God on the inside, we can handle it. You, have, you must have a relationship with God. You must have a relationship with God. Don't wait until storms come in your life to try and get a relationship with God. Every day, you should be practicing the spiritual principles of uh, disciplines of prayer and reading your word and, and worshiping God. You do that every day. You don't wait until you get in trouble. You don't wait till the storm strike. You, you, you've got to be disaster ready. You, you must be prepared before the storm hits. Now, can I share my testimony with you? Is it all right? I want to share my testimony with you. Uh, in 2010, I had a hurricane, a tornado, and a tsunami all in one. It was devastating. It really was. Devil decided he was going to take me out. My wonderful husband spoke here at this church. I think he did 9-11. Dow 9-11. He preached here. Wonderful man of God. Loved God. Loved people. For years, he, he worked with children. He was a high school principal of the school in, our, uh, in Flint, Michigan. Worked hard. Loved children. Sold into children. Sent children to college out of his own pocket. He loved the Lord. We had the most blessed marriage, I think. Well, we, we, it's just like Bishop and Mother Blake. We had a wonderful marriage. All 46 years we were married, never argued, never fussed. Never slept in the other room. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you what a good God and a good man I am. He loved God and he loved God's people. He decided to go on a mission trip to Africa with 14 other pastors, and they did. Had a wonderful trip, gave and sold. They said, he, oh my, he preached. Had a wonderful time there. Came back. Oh, I'm telling you, he was so excited when he came back telling me about his trip. Uh, it was a trip of a lifetime. And even though he had ministered in other parts in France and other places, this Africa trip touched his heart. My, he was so excited. He was telling me all about how they had the, the, the family that he adopted a little girl and how that they lay on the ground. And you all know, because your pastor is a great uh, 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 missions person. And he was just telling his story. He went and got his hair cut before he came home. He was looking, he wanted to look good for his, oh, my, my, my. my. <laughs> we Skyped him the Sunday before he came. He was coming in on that Monday or Tuesday, and that Sunday we Skyped him on the screens because we wanted, we wanted to hear our pastor was coming home. And he talked to us there, how excited we were. Landed in Detroit at the airport, called me, said, honey, I'll be there shortly. I just, I'm going to run, get my hair cut, and I'll be right home. And I was thinking, forget the hair, just come on home. <laughs> and so he did, was home for about... Uh, two hours and he was talking, talking, talking. I never heard so much about Africa in my life. He just enjoyed himself. Happy as he could be. 
And so I was getting ready the next morning to go to Indiana to his last aunt's funeral. And he said, I'm going with you. I feel so good. I said, honey, you can't go on that trip with us. He said, oh, yes, I can. I feel great. And so I, you know, trying to be the woman I should be, I didn't say anything, but I said, you wait, that jet lag's going to hit you, brother, once you lay down. And uh, he would talk, 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 talk. And a few minutes after that, he, he just kept talking. I said, honey, you have to go to sleep. It's time. I have to get up early in the morning. And uh, he just kept going. And in just uh, a brief moment, he said, you know what, honey? I love you and I missed you so much. And never said another word. I didn't think anything about him dying or anything. I just figured that something, you know, he was going to be all right. So I called him a couple of times, honey, honey, he never said a word. And so my daughter was there and I hollered and screamed for her and I said, come call 911, something has happened to your father. And uh, she did. By the time the, the, the lady on the phone, 911, told me, Mrs. Pryor, you've got to work on him. You must get him on the floor and work on him. And my husband was not a little man. And plus, when you're dealing with dead weight, it is really something else. And so I, I, I had my daughter to help me get him on the floor and we worked with him. And by that time, uh, seems like eternity, the paramedics came. They worked on him and then they took him to the hospital. I was in another car with my son. And uh, when we got to the hospital, we were there about four minutes, and the doctor walked in, and he said to me, Mrs. Pryor, I'm sorry to tell you, he didn't make it. Could have lost my mind. What do you mean, didn't make it? He said, come on to the back. We went to the back, and we saw him, my children, course we were all hurt some of the members were there and we were just so broken and something came to me said ask them to excuse you and I did I said I just need a moment family just let me go I walked out into the hospital area no one was in that area at the particular time and the devil said to me what you gonna do now you running all over the country telling people God's a healer, God's a deliverer, that God can do anything. What you going to do with this? He tried to wear my mind out. Every evil thing he could think of came to my mind. He was just feeding me a bunch of mess. And I knew then that I had to get in combat mode if I was going to win this thing. First of all, I knew I had to go to the word of the Lord because there's power in the word. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you promised me in Hebrews 13 and 5 that you would never leave me nor forsake me. I walked that floor and I talked. I said, then you told me in Isaiah 26 and 3 that you would keep me in perfect peace if I keep my mind stayed on thee. I knew I had to fight this thing because depression wanted to set in on me. And I had heard that depression will kill you. It's just that bad. But I knew I had to do some spiritual warfare. And so I began to call up every scripture I could think of. And I walked that corner because I was trusting God. Was I hurting? Oh my God. Excruciating pain. I'm not talking about sharp pain it is a pain that you cannot describe it is indescribable if you have never experienced grief oh my god oh my god don't tell people don't cry that's the worst thing in the world you can do god gave us tear ducts to release and then he'll allow you to go into shock so you won't lose your mind. All of that is good for us. God knew what to put within us because he knew we were built to last. And if we were going to last, he had to allow us to go into shock. It was traumatic. I could have lost my mind. My wonderful husband, gone. Didn't even get to say bye, honey. I'm thankful to this day that he didn't have to suffer. 
I'm thankful that God allowed him to go to Africa and come back. He could have died in Africa, but God let him come back so that we could see him and talk with him. I said, Lord, I don't understand it. I'm not trying to be a wonderful grand woman here. Do you hear me? Yes, I cried and I heard. But I told God, I said, I don't understand it, but I know one thing, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing because I'm not the first widower. I'm not. There are other women who have lost their husbands and they have survived. I began to think of every woman I knew that was a widow. And I, I, and I said, God, if she made it, I'm going to make it too. I had to literally talk to myself because if you don't have something to throw back at the devil, you must have something to fight back with. The problem with us, whenever the devil hits us, we just lay down and try to die. And just, you, you can't lay down. This is the time you got to rise up. Hallelujah. I began to tell him, devil, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I'm going to come through this thing. I'm going to make it out of this thing. With the help of the Lord, I'm going to come through this thing. Well, 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 I did pretty good. We went home, and, and then, you know, you have to have those three, three funerals. Your local, your jurisdictional, and your national funeral. We survived the funeral, my children and I. People were around then. Mm-hmm. Have a lot of company. Uh-huh. They're around you then. <laughs> but then there comes the week after. The two weeks later. The month later, when you've got to walk this journey alone. Hallelujah. I said, if Jesus goes with me, I'm going to go. I said, I'm going to have to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so even though I didn't, I didn't think about it, I'd get in my car and I would drive. I had to go to church. I went to the house of the Lord. I didn't go home and get into bed. That's the problem with too many of us when adversities and, and trying circumstances come in our lives, we go home and get in the bed. I knew if I was going to win this thing, I went to church and I just didn't go for my church. I was going for Ruth. Uh-huh. It was about Ruth surviving and it was about my children surviving. Now, I loved my church. People say, you trying to be strong for your church. Girl, you better go, uh uh-uh. Ruth knew if she was going to win this thing, I was not going to go home, get under the cover, and lay there and cry and bellyache and whine because that wasn't going to help me at all. I had to let the devil know this was warfare. Uh Uh-huh, and I'm going to win this thing. I made up my mind because I wanted to win. Thank you for your love and your concern, but I wasn't looking for pity then. Hallelujah. I wasn't looking for you to just pour, lay all, come cry, and belly me. I knew that I had to keep my head up. I had to have some bulldog tenacity and let the devil know I'm going to win this thing. Hallelujah. I got through it pretty well. Funerals and all that. A couple of days after that, I got a call from a major corporation. Said, Mrs. Pryor, your husband owe us a half a million dollars. And because your name is on that dotted line, you're gonna have to pay it. I said, say what? They said, (laughs) they said, yes, your name is on the line. You signed along with him for this deal. And uh, we need a half a million dollars. Well, I knew I didn't have a half a million to give them. Even if I had it, I wasn't going to give it to them. No, no, no. Not when Obama has bailed them out. There's no way. Uh Uh-uh, no. Ah, If Obama going to bail you out, you going to look out for me too. Hallelujah. So I knew the only thing to do was to go to the Lord. I went to my attorney and he told me, Mrs. Pryor, he said, they're right, your name is on this this paper and and, uh, you're liable. He says, but uh, you just just call them up, talk to them, tell them day and night they call me. I mean literally day and night. Eight o'clock in the morning every day, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. 
they call me. I talk to people in California. I talk to people in North Carolina. I talk to people in Arizona. And they asking me the same thing. My attorney said they're trying to wear you down. He said, stop answering the phone. If you've told them what's right. Now, I wasn't trying to do no dirt because this was no dirty deal. It was very legitimate. It was a very legitimate deal. And so I said, Lord, I'm so tired of them calling me. I can't rest. I just can't get any peace. I, I, I need some help. And my mother is 88 years old. She's, a, she's an intercessor. She's a prayer warrior. I remember when my children, when my mother, my mother lost her young baby daughter, her baby sister, and my baby brother all in the same year. She said, the only thing I knew to do, Ruth, was shut in. Y'all know about shut-ins, right? She said, we went, I went on a shut-in, and I shut myself in the church for three days and three nights. And I cried out to God that he would give me strength. That was in 1996. She's still here, 88 years old and going strong. She taught me the importance of prayer. She taught me the importance of reading my word. So one day, the thought came to me. I was reading my word, and Matthew 6 and 6 talks about going into your secret closet. You got to go get in your closet and call and, and talk to the Lord. Well, some people said that doesn't literally mean go get in a closet. Mm -hmm. It might mean that to you, but to me, push had come to shove. And I knew that I needed to go get in that. I got me a pillow. Nobody was home and I went into my closet and I got down on that floor. I was laying prostrate on that floor and I said, God, you said in the time of trouble that I could call you. And so I just, if somebody had been in the house, it probably wouldn't have made me no difference because I was desperate. And I said, Jesus, said you crazy making all that loud I said Jesus you said in the time of trouble that I could call you and so I'm calling on you cause I'm in trouble got up off my knees cause see the devil said you know sometimes we're not gonna call him but once or twice yeah, you know, he, 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 that probably didn't even really upset him, although calling on the name of Jesus made him a little nervous. Got up out of my, off that floor, went out because I was satisfied that the Lord had heard my cry. Soon as I walk out, the phone rang. I picked up the phone and they said, Is this Ruth C. Pryor? I said, Yes, it is. He said, so-and-so-and-so -and -so told me who he was and all that and all the stuff. I said, sir, I have already reported to you all about 20 times my situation. And he said to me, Did you get, didn't you get some insurance money? I said, say what? <laughs> he said, he said, did you get some insurance money? I said, what? He said, when your husband died, didn't you get some insurance money? I say, what did you say? <laughs> A lot of nerve. People aren't compassionate when you're going through. He was just a businessman probably doing his job. He didn't say anything kind, anything considerate, and my heart was bleeding. I'd lost the love of my life. He just hung the phone up and I did too. I wasn't rude, but I knew, he knew that I probably got some, but it wasn't his business and I wasn't gonna give it to him, whatever I got. A Couple of days later, I went to the mailbox and there was all kind of mail and there was a letter in there. And on the front, I noticed it was from that corporation. Had my name on the front, I went on in the house Open it up. I figured it was, they were telling me the same thing. And I opened it up. And I looked at it. 
This was a couple of days. So after I came out of that closet, it says, Dear Mrs. Ruth C. Pryor, we're informing you that your debt has been canceled. For so and so half a million dollars. And then they said, and, and you know what? I felt just like, you know the song they used to say, I don't need no music. I don't need no music. I don't need no music. I can't dance all by myself. Hey, I know, I, I, I felt like that, I really did. And I was praising the Lord. Then I looked down and I stopped. The second paragraph says, now you know after so long a period, they can come back on you if they want to. But the next paragraph said, and there will be no deficiency against you. I said, what? You mean they can't even come back on me? I called my children and I read it to my children. I said, what does this mean? I got some wonderful smart children. And I said, what does this mean? And they said, ma, that means that they are through with it and that they can't come after you. I don't care whatever else they did. All I know is they weren't coming after my money because I need my money to live with. I said, God, you're good. You know why? Because I had tithe. I had sown into ministry. I had given. I had been a blessing to other people. I had kept people in my home. And I said, you said in your word that you would rebuke the devourer. The Bible says, put me in remembrance of my word. And the more I told God about what his word said. See, when things come, you got to get you a God said. Bishop Otis Lockett says, if you can get you a God said, if God said it, he's going to back it up. Hallelujah. See, the, the problem with us in the church, the problem with us in the church, we go to saying what mama them said. No, not what mama them said. What does God's word say? Hallelujah. He said you can take the word and apply it to your situation. If it's sickness, you can tell him you said you were wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity. You got to put the word on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I put the word on it. I tell people all the time, if God's got something for you to do, you can handle it. You can. What the enemy does is he intensifies every attack on people who know are doing the work of the Lord. Just because you're an intercessor, don't think the devil's not going to come after you. Just because you're the bishop doesn't mean that the enemy is not going to try you. You know what gives me the most joy about my husband leaving here? Was he completed his assignment. I just believe his assignment. All of us have an assignment. Every person in this room, you have an assignment. And you don't know when your time is going to be up. That's why you have to be prepared. You must be ready. I thought, Lord, why would you take my wonderful husband who had so much influence and yet you left me here? Why? He said, my thoughts are not like yours. My ways are not like yours. Hallelujah. Don't say, why did you take my mama? I didn't say, Lord, you should have took that old drunk on the street. That's some woman's son. That's some mother's daughter. Bitterness will try to overtake you whenever you have adversity, but you can't allow it to happen. You have to keep your focus on God. You have to tell him, not my will, but thy will be done. I'd love to have my husband back. But you know what? I believe he's enjoying heaven so much he wouldn't even want to come back as much as he loved me. We have to submit to the will of the Lord. God will see us through any circumstance, any situation. You never know when it's your time. You never know. 
You never know. You never know. Young lady in the teal, look at me right here, right here. White and teal. Stand up, baby. Hallelujah. Just stand up real quick. Get up real quick. I'm not calling you down here. Just stand up real quick. The Spirit told me to speak to you and tell you you've been built to last. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can handle anything. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Holy Ghost said you can handle it. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're going through, but Holy Ghost told me to tell you, you can handle it. Yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I hop right on the end in the black and white. Stand up, baby, real quick, real quick. Yeah, all that pretty jacket. Spirit said to tell you, you've been built to last. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you're in something, coming out of something, or getting ready to go into something, but the Spirit said you're built to last. And you can handle it. Yeah! You can handle it. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. One more, one more, and I'm almost finished. Young man sitting next to the lady in the pretty white hat. Young man, yes, 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 you son. Not you son. In the pretty white hat. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why the Lord showed me you, um, but I know it's God. I do know it's God. I know when God speaks. Hallelujah. The Lord told me at your young age, at your very young age, that you've been built to last. That you're going to be able to handle whatever comes your way. If you stay focused. Do you hear me? You don't have to give in. You don't have to sell out. You don't have to throw in the towel. You don't have to just just give up on God. Because you've been built to last. Uh uh I don't know what's coming down the road. I must remind you. I don't know. But I want you to remember this is old young good looking lady said to tell you that you were built to last that you're going to be able to handle it hallelujah I want you to remember that when something comes in your way I want it to ring in your spirit go home and look at yourself in the mirror and say I've been built to last everybody in here look at your sister look at the person next to you and prophesy prophesy that you have been built you have been built you have been built to last you're gonna make it you're gonna come through you're gonna finish strong yeah